We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And the elephant in the room. It's out there. It's everywhere. It's 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 in the internet, in, in webs and nubs. And as my dad would say on an airplane, look at all the data. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And he'd be like, look. It's in the cloud. And he would point out at the clouds. I'll never forget that. And I just, I probably had not rolled my eyes harder. But anyways, we all know what the elephant in the room is. Let's get it out of the way. First things first. We're not even a minute into the podcast and we're going to hit this. Okay. 49ers. YouTuber. Journalist. Beat reporter. I'm not exactly sure what Grant Cohn wants to be called these days, but he's got his own little footprint within the 49ers spectrum. Everybody knows this. I have met Grant or hung out with Grant several occasions during my time in the building. By all accounts, by all in-person accounts, a great dude. But we all know that Grant, and I know that Grant has a... In-person persona that if you were to talk to him in person, you would get something completely different than what we get on social media, on Twitter, and even for the most part on his YouTube channel. Grant is what I would like to affectionately refer to as a heel. And if you don't know the origination of the term heel, it's from professional wrestling. Uh, The good guys, per the storyline of professional wrestling, were called baby faces. And then the bad guys were called heels. Grant loves to be a heel, and he knows this. He, it, is, it is part of his brand. Part, a huge part of Grant's brand is getting reactions out of people, being a little further into left field than most. And if Grant were here with me, he would say, of course, like, I know this. I, I, you know, and and in, a, in his own weird way, Grant keeps things interesting. Okay. Now, within this process, Grant has ruffled the feathers of many players on the 49ers roster. That is indisputable. Indisputable. We've seen it happen many times. One could assume, and I wouldn't say you were crazy for assuming that, one could assume that 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 is Grant's goal, is to ruffle the feathers, shake the cages, uh, rock the boat, make waves, whatever phrase you want to say. That's just what he does. And he has carved out a niche for himself in the sensational department, you know, and that I would say, you know, has manifested itself in confrontation several times over the last few years. And I and it seems that that has finally come to what you would hope is ahead, not a conclusion, a crescendo 
you know, a, um, a climax, if you will, a win. And I'm not going to go too much into the sequence of events. Grant was apparently, per his accounts, confronted by third-year defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. Is he already in his – this is his third year? Oh, my gosh. Time is just weird. So third-year Javon Kinlaw, the man who was drafted, I believe, 14th overall, to replace DeForest Buckner. Um. Yeah, he was drafted in 2020. So the 2020 season, 2021 season. Now he's in his third year. Wow. Time is wild. Anyways, Grant obviously has been critical of Javon Kinlaw throughout his tenure. And Javon Kinlaw felt it necessarily to confront him on the field. Um, well, I'm not going to get into too much detail. That's somebody else's story. You guys can go find it if you'd like. Confronted him on the field. Words were exchanged. You know, at one point, apparently, they were standing very close together. And uh, apparently, you know, a hat was knocked off a head. I, again, this is all, you'll have to go find that story in its full detail, I believe, on Grant's YouTube channel. Conzone. Uh, but I think his, his YouTube channel just goes under the name Grant Co. And then, you know... Grant made his own YouTube video kind of as a response with Javon Kinlaw was not around. Grant went on a live stream later that night, and apparently Javon Kinlaw wandered in. And the two had themselves one hell of a confrontation that I'm sure that a lot of you have already seen. Uh, if you haven't, go find it. It's everywhere. TMZ, um, you know, it, it, it got plenty of traction as you'd expect it to. Now, obviously with something like this, with a player very publicly butting heads with a, a very notorious uh, 49ers uh, figure, that there's going to be plenty of, opinion, of opinions flying around. And I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm going to offer my opinion. That's what the damn podcast is for. But as always, I'm not terribly passionate about, about it one way or the other. I mean, I guess you could say I am if I were pushed to be. But... It's just one of those things that you kind of feel like everybody lost, sort of. Now, did everybody lose? Did somebody who's trying to garner attention towards their YouTube channel and, you know, and and that is just a part of that sphere in business, did they lose? Did Grant lose? Uh, it's hard to say in that regard, but in terms of just the how everything played out and kind of the way things should happen, it feels like everybody lost. Now, first of all, I want to say that Javon Kinlaw's reaction, and there included plenty of expletives, comparisons, less than ideal language. I mean, I can't really beat around the bush any more than that. You, again, just go watch it if you feel the need to, if you haven't already. And I feel like Javon Kinlaw's reaction was very human. And was it the right course of action for Javon Kinlaw, I think it's obviously no. But I, uh, at the same time, I can't necessarily blame a player that is in a spotlight that I could never imagine that is under a, a tremendous amount of stress, especially when you consider how Javon Kinlaw's career has gone so far, where he struggled with injury, struggled to stay on the field, and um, that's just, you know, and, and he's – coming off a reconstructed knee and that would bring a, a tremendous amount of stress onto somebody, especially somebody that feels like it, it is their responsibility to support those around him, which during Javon Kinlaw's anger, you heard him say things to the effect of, you know, I got kids, I've got a family. Um, and there were many things were said and I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not going to get too specifically and too specific into that. Because I feel like then you're just opening up a, 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 an entirely new can of worms when it comes to analysis. So, you know, you could see Javon Kinlaw's frustration in the exchange. It wasn't just about this guy talk shit on me. I need to talk shit back and get the upper hand. It was more of like it almost seemed like a release of frustration based on so much stress that's probably been involved in his career. And Javon Kinlaw's had a, had a pretty rough upbringing. Um, there were some things that he said, you know, I, one of them being along the lines of, I, I shouldn't even be alive right now. 
And so that would just a small line that may be a, a pretty big indicator as to what the person's gone through. Now, a lot of NFL players have gone through rough backgrounds. I'm always, I always remember the quote from Michael Irvin, like when people asked him, why were you so good at catching a slant over the middle? Why were you so fearless? And he said, well, look, it was either catch that slant or go back to the ghetto. So I decided to catch the slant and it's stuff like that. So it's, you know, for a lot of us, it's very hard to put ourselves in the place of these NFL players that many of which have come from nothing. And with that can bring a lot of trauma, a lot of stress, a lot of weight on their shoulders to be the person that, that turns things around for their entire family. So, you know, when, when an explosion of frustration happens like that very publicly, I try to at least show a little bit of empathy and where that might be coming from. Now, you know, that said, based on everything that was described and the way things apparently went down, it seems like a line was crossed. You know, I know per Grant's side of the story, and I believe even Kinlaw said it in this YouTube exchange, was that he got very close to him on the sideline. And he, you know, it was very clear that Javon Kinlaw was trying to intimidate Grant, which to me, that's where the line is crossed because. Unfortunately, with a career in the NFL comes lots of criticism. It's just the way it is. Now, much of Grant's criticism is, criticism is probably more extreme, significantly more extreme than what a lot of people will offer. And you can make of that what you want to and whether it's necessary or not. So with an NFL career comes a lot of criticism. But you, can, you cannot cross the line to the point where you are possibly, again, wasn't there, not going to make a claim as if everything happened exactly the way I've heard it. But if if that line was crossed and, and journalists were intimidated, were you know close to being, having hands put on them, that obviously, it, common sense would tell you that can't happen. Um, you know, again, this isn't, this isn't the streets. This isn't, you know, in public, this isn't at a bar. This isn't at a club. This isn't at a sports game. This is kind of the, both of their professional spheres, you know, and, and things need to stay professional and that can be incredibly tough to do, um, in the shoes of an NFL player, uh, when all you have to do, or, or if you would like to, if you expose yourself to it is read a bunch of negative criticism about you all the time. You know, it doesn't matter who you are in the NFL. If you wanted to seek out all the negative things that have been said about you, it wouldn't take very long to find them. So, you know, a lot of things were said that shouldn't have been said. I think in the end, none of it should have been handled in public. It certainly shouldn't have been handled on a YouTube channel. Um, as far as I know, it's been squashed and it was done in public within the 49ers facility. Um, but, uh, you know, mistakes were made and uh, hopefully it, there's no long-term ramifications from this. My biggest thing is I was watching it all go down is, you know, who has the most to lose? And, and it's not Grant, you know, Javon Kinlaw is in the third year of his rookie contract and he's by all intents and purposes, trying to author a, a successful NFL career and make money for his kids and make money for his family and help support them. And you don't want to see somebody do anything that could jeopardize that outside of what they do on the field. And, you know, while all this was happening, I was just thinking, look, who has the most to lose? Cause it sure as hell isn't grant. So you want to see someone like Javon Kinlaw reel it back a little bit. Now, now again, I understand his outburst completely. I do. You know, I, I could understand where it would come from. Is it appropriate? Should it have happened? I don't think so. But again, like how, where it's, I can't take a, 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 a firm stance on that when I just can't understand the position he's in. So, and, and what that feels like. So, you know, hope I'm not trying to just stand on the fence in a way that's, lacks conviction or any sort of opinion. But at the same time, I just try to see both elements of this, of the story, you know, and, or not see it from both sides, understand why it happened, what could be done better, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, th I think that pretty much 
covers it. You know, I, th- I don't think I need to ramble on f- with this for any more than I already have. Uh, it was unfortunate, but it happens. And I think one of the important things to, to leave off with this is these are people. NFL players are people. And they have a, a, a social media account just like us. Now they're getting paid a lot of money to deal with this criticism. But they're still people. And they're going to react to this stuff eventually in, in some way or another. And Kim Law's just rea- reaction was a little more uh, passionate than what we've seen in the past. And based on Grant's way of covering the team, it just isn't a surprise that this happened. After it happened, multiple 49ers players kind of backed Kinlaw. And, and it's not like they're saying that that intimidating a journalist is, is the way to go, but they're just saying that if, if you're going to conduct yourself in a certain way, if you're going to push, it's, it's only a matter of time before somebody pushed back. Eric Armstead, 49ers defensive lineman. This is, a, I mean, some of this is, is harsh. So, you know, but these are the reactions of 49ers players that were made public. This is the type of low life we led into our building. He would rather antagonize and provoke players into hitting him so he can retire instead of doing his job of journalism. And then Eric Armstead posted a clip of Grant talking about the fact that someone I think asked Grant if he was scared and Grant replied, well, no, I'm not scared because if he were to hit me, then, you know, I'd be able to sue. And so, you know, anyways, uh, Tabor Pepper, friend of the Candlestick Chronicles pod, uh, 49ers long snapper talked about again, talked about the fact that Grant joked or, or talked about what would happen if Javon Kinlaw turned it physical. And Tabor said the faithful can arrange an early retirement. If the fan base boycotts your low effort shit posting, you call journalism. Okay. So you're starting to get an idea of how the players in the 49ers locker room feel about the type of coverage that Grant has authored. And so again, I'm not taking a sign. I'm, I've already said that I've, you know, I've met Grant in person. I enjoyed my interactions with Grant, but I am not a 49ers player, and these players have completely different viewpoints than anything I would be able to obtain. Uh, Jaquaski Tart, current free agent, former 49ers safety, crazy out players become the bad guy for standing up for themselves. Media, social media has a huge influence on players' narratives, allowing anyone to speak on your name with no accountability for what they say, which I agree with. A lot of people will say whatever they want to say, no matter how much, you know, actual backing behind it there is. And it's, that's kind of the unfortunate thing about the way NFL media is, a part of how it thrives is sometimes things are said about players that just flat out isn't true. And it, there's not really a whole lot of accountability towards it. If a player isn't going to speak up themselves. So uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, current dolphins running back, former 49ers running back. Um, we're always told journalists and reporters have a job to do. Okay. Understood. But this, he admitted retirement as a multimillionaire went through his mind. This is unacceptable. And then we've got, former 49ers receiver Dante Pettis. People talking about the Kinlaw stuff like they've had to sit through malicious articles and comments being made about them in the media. And then he replied to that, since this is going over a lot of people's heads, I'm not saying anyone was right or wrong in how they handled anything. All I'm saying is you don't know what it feels like to be under that much scrutiny and how it can affect you, which is exactly what I'm saying. I don't know what it feels like. So I can't sit here and say that what Javon Kinlaw did was just the you know the he was completely out of line which obviously like i said i think lines were crossed but at the same time i can't judge what's been done because i just can't understand where it's it's coming from um whose instagram is this okay they didn't it doesn't have the screen name at the top of it so i'm trying to see the picture but i believe this one was Brandon Ayuk, if you're going to say something about somebody, stand on that shit. Don't backpedal and start playing victim. 100. And then we've got George Kittle, which to me was kind of like, okay, this is permeated into the true leadership of the locker room. Eric Armstead, George Kittle. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, let me just rephrase that. It's throughout the entire locker room. 
Um, and I've seen George Kittle's reaction with Grant. George Kittle has the sense of humor to be able to go back and forth Grant um, without getting upset. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that he's not going to uh, take note of uh, of the behavior, take note of what's being said, and take note of how his teammates are being treated. And George said, it's crazy to me that someone who is allowed into our building has the, mind, has the mindset and goal to antagonize and Sorry, the font is really small, so I'm going to lean forward to here. To irritate players with their end game of being this. I thought players and reporters were supposed to work together. Being in this building, let alone this league, is an opportunity. It's not a right. People get really comfortable typing behind a screen. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but continuing to go after a player habitually seems like someone whose goal isn't to report or write a story. So... Uh, I believe that's the last bit of of reactions, social media reactions from 49ers teammates. There could be a couple more floating around out there that I don't know about, but I think the reactions from the players in the locker room is the perfect way to sum it up because they're the people that are going to be able to relate to what Javon Kinlaw is going through, and they interact with Grant far more than I do and far more than any of us, especially in person. And the things that Grant says is about them. So to me, the reactions from the players speak volumes, and that's probably where the true kind of core of of the the entire, you know, the impact of what has happened in the past and and what has happened after this kind of just where the I, I want to say where the truth lies, but I know that that's it's really just opinions. But I think you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I'm just not good enough with words to say it the way it needs to be said. But I think what the players have to say is probably the best way to leave that off. Now, moving on, um, we have finally entered into a legitimate Trey Lance things. Now, yes, this is just. Um, a, a one singular open practice of OTAs that is in like, you know, shoulder pads and shorts and a helmet. So it's not the absolute clearest. By the way, obviously we don't do transitions here. I'm jumping into Trey Lance and, and OTAs. Um, I feel like 20 minutes of talking about that event is enough. Um, and hopefully, you know, y'all get where I'm coming from. But... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We were finally to a point where we have tangible Trey Lance things. I got so tired of the offseason of all the people seemingly just throwing a dart against a Trey Lance criticism wall. And whichever one their dart hit, they were probably shit at darts, so they didn't even know what it was going to hit. Uh, they would just go with. And it's a lot of it just seemed to lack any sort of foundation. And it just seemed like people realized that talking about Trey and what he was or was not going to be capable of did well. So let's just keep doing that. And we finally got to a point where we get to hear about people that are putting their eyes on Trey Lance, see what he's doing. We get to hear from Trey Lance in the press conference. And it's just real life Trey Lance things rather than these what seemed like silly rumors just being made up by who knows who. Everybody would just say, oh, well, source close to the team. And you're like, okay. Uh, You know, I'm never, obviously, I'm not inferring people need to name their sources, but it just... It could be anybody, man. Like, it's just wild. Anyways, I think one thing that started to become clear throughout all the press conferences, throughout Trey Lance's press conference, throughout OTAs, throughout Kyle Shanahan's comments, um, is Trey Lance is the starter. He's the man. And the 49ers are shifting their focus and their efforts towards the third overall pick. Which, of course, they would, right? They traded two first-round picks and a third-round pick to move up and select him third overall. Why would they invest their time into him? Like, And it feels like we're finally there. Now, yes, like I said, this is just the beginning of OTAs. They, they practice like three times when I'm recording this. But it's just it just seems obvious that the spotlight – the, the, the spotlight's a bad bad word to use because it's not a spotlight. It's a legitimate concentration of effort has now turned towards Trey Lance. Shanahan said himself that he ex- still expects Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded, traded. Excuse me. He still expects Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. That just can't happen right now because he's still recording, recovering from shoulder surgery. And for Kyle Shanahan just to come out and say, no, I still expect him to be traded. We just got to wait for the shoulder to heal. And he may not be traded. He may be released. But it's obvious that if you're expecting a player to be traded, traded, man, traded, I don't know why I'm saying that. He's no longer a part of of your long-term plans. And and we've kind of always knew that, but I felt like it was, it was everybody's, just in the back of their mind, something saying, well, what if Jimmy stays around for another year at the cost of $25 million and as a backup? And it's just like, eh, I guess we got to talk about it. But I mean, so many of the 49ers players, George Kittle says Trey's taken ownership of the team. Jimmy Ward said Trey is, is their leader. He's first in, last out type of deal. And the more, the, what it comes down to is the more reps Trey takes. The more of this off-season program goes on and gone, they do OTAs, they get into mandatory mini camps, and the more that Trey Lance is the guy taking the starting reps, leading the team, breaking down huddles, um, speaking up in meetings, you know what I mean? The more he he, he takes that time, the more he inserts himself to the role, and the more that's just going to become the way it is. And anything with Jimmy Garoppolo after that point would probably just seem weird to that locker room. Jimmy has not been in the building. According to George Kittle, he's not been even been talking to his teammates. He apparently just does his thing during the off season and Trey Lance is there and he's the man's taking the reps and throwing the passes. And once these mini camps become mandatory and the, the bigger faces of the organization start partaking, uh, George Kittle was there, but he just watched along with Fred Warner. Then the more this becomes Trey Lance's team, and if not, if if it isn't already, which which we're kind of obviously assuming it is, but the more with every rep, it just becomes his offense, and he becomes more comfortable. And with every one of those reps, you're building the player up. Trey Lance, who didn't play, who played one football game his entire final year of college, didn't you know played a couple last year, obviously for the 49ers, two and a half. If you're if you're going to count it all, uh, and preseason. 
But this man needs reps, and he needs reps with his crew. He needs reps with the starting crew, and he needs to just take it and run. And that's what's happening now. And it would be insanity to allow Trey Lance to begin his growth within the offense as a starter, and then all of a sudden reel that back and say, nope, Jimmy, 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 uh, we couldn't trade you. Stick around. Um, maybe we can rework your contract, but we want you to compete with Trey Lance. And it's, is it outside the realm of reality as a possibility? Yes, of course. But it just at this point, everything seems like this is Trey's team, and that is the way it should be. Now, um, I was not at OTAs. I'm in the middle of my school year. I usually can't really make an appearance until training camp. Um, I listened to uh, Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff talk, and they said that Trey's performance was decent. You know, they could see him struggling with accuracy. Um, that might be the one thing that needs to improve throughout Trey's tenure as he becomes more experienced is his accuracy. Um, but it it seemed like they were just tempering expectations. Again, it's OTAs. He was throwing in seven on sevens. There's no pass rush. There's no offensive line. Um, removes a lot of that unpredictability. And so Trey Lance should look decent in seven on sevens. And that's what Chris Biederman said of the Candlestick Chronicles and of the Sacramento Bee. He said Trey Lance completed something like 16 of 18 passes, which is obviously very good. It would be more of a concern if it was very bad. The fact that it's very good doesn't mean as much as it would if it was very bad in OTA, seven on sevens, in shorts. Like bad stuff in OTAs is bad. But good stuff is kind of like the expectation. Um, because a lot of the the reality and the unforgivable un, un, unforgive unforgivability <laughs> unforgiveness of football is is present when there's pads and there's contact and there's a real pass rush. That is when things get real for a quarterback. Seven on seven. Well, uh, he you know still cool, still throwing to teammates, but you know, Biederman said. Trey Lance had plenty of checks downs. He said it. He said he made it look as easy as it should. Uh, targeted ta- tight ends a lot, which is what a lot of young quarterbacks will do. And you know they're just bigger, easier targets that are usually more towards the center um, or the you know the. They're, I mean, think of it in just terms of straight distance. Usually, the distance to throw to a tight end. The time it takes your ball to get to a tight end is less than it takes to get to receivers on the perimeter. Whether you know what, really, no matter what the route is. So, a, uh, tight ends are a, a new quarterback's best friend, and I assume that Trey Lance and George Kittle's relationship is probably going to be very strong uh, throughout the season. So, OTAs, nothing to get too spun up about. But again, it's just awesome to be talking about real Trey Lance things and not made up out of thin air things. As far as the uh, press conferences go, Kyle Shanahan, uh, nothing necessarily too significant to take from Kyle Shanahan. He was asked if center Alex Mack was retiring. Kyle Shanahan said he has an idea and so should we. Which to me, given he's not there and he's been getting married and going on honeymoons and taking trips outside the, the continent To me, that comment means he's likely retiring. You know, I feel like I have an idea and you guys should too. If he was around or if we'd heard from him or if he, you know, then I would say, okay, maybe, maybe he is coming back. But the whole, like, I I have an idea and you guys should too thing just says Alex Mack is not going to be a part of the team next season. But at the same time, you know, have they done, did they do a lot to address that position? Did they act like it was a huge need in the draft? Not necessarily. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not definitely not making a proclamation. I'm not planting my flag. But it does seem like Kyle Shanahan, just in the way he said it, and even John Lynch earlier in the year said, you know, I'm not going to make an announcement for Alex Alex Mack. I'm going to let him announce it, which just again seems like retirement but at one point i can't even remember what led us there i felt like maybe he was coming back so it's still here or there um debo samuel is was not at mandatory or excuse me was not at voluntary mini mini camp that is not a surprise it's not a huge deal there are many players that weren't there including nick bosa trent williams 
Um, now, obviously, this doesn't. Of course, he's not there. They're in the middle of kind of a contract dispute. But the fact that he's not there should not seem like another nail in the coffin for Debo's relationship with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan still seems confident that that is going to be repaired and that they will find a resolution that keeps him in the building. Kyle Shanahan was asked if he talked to Debo, and he's like, I'm not going to tell you guys that anymore. I'm tired of telling people I've talked to somebody. Seemed like he had, but again, that's just speculation. Shanahan does expect Debo Samuel to show up for the mandatory minicamp. Okay, now I should... I should have pulled this up while I was uh, before we started, um, but I wanted to figure out when exactly w- were those mandatory mini camps, and I'm sure some of you guys already know because you're just amazing fans. Okay, so for OTAs, and we might as well just use this as a time to to get everybody together. The OTAs are the 23rd through the 24th. Then they've got another practice on the 26th. Then they're back at it on the 31st through the 1st. And then now we're in June, uh, June 3rd, June 6th and 7th, and then June 9th. Okay, so those are all the o- OTA off-season workouts. The mandatory mini camp is June 13th through the 15th. So those are that is your next big day in likely the next big uh, day in the Debo Samuel saga. Kyle Shanahan said he expects him to show up for that. And if he does, then it's, to me, obvious that things are on their way to being mended. Um, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Next up, I mean, Jimmy Ward hit the podium. You know, I, I love just listening to Jimmy Ward talk, man. He just seems like such a genuine guy. Um, he just, and it doesn't surprise me at all that Jimmy Ward, along with Eric Armstead, um, are just one of the few players from the roster before Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch inherited it. He's just one of the few players to survive because he's a very likable guy. He's a very great football player. And I just always like listening to talk. He believes that he is on the cusp of being the best safety in the league. And, you know, if you've listened to him talk, you know that that he's not about like, the big talk. He kind of speaks a little on the softer side and carries a big stick, but he feels like he is absolutely one of the best safeties in the league. And he's just a few little mistakes away from greatness really is what he was saying. And I I like that. You know, he just said he was very specific too, talking about an interception he should have had against the Eagles. And then he, you know, he just was a step late, you know, a few of the tackles that he, they, slowed up instead of just driving through. Like, he was very specific, and I liked liked hearing that. He says that I believe his locker is either next to Trey Lance or close to Trey Lance, and they're always going back and forth about what which person's going to get the better of the other on the field, which is good to hear. Um, he says that he'll, you know, he tells Trey that you can't come over here or I'm going to get that. And Trey says, well, if you're over there, I'm going to go this way. And it's cool to, to, to hear about them going back and forth, especially given how young Trey Lance is versus – uh, I believe this is like the eighth or ninth year of Jimmy Ward's career, which is unreal. Jimmy Ward, let's just say stats. I'm going to confirm this. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this is his ninth year. He's had eight seasons. Unbelievable. I remember in the 49ers draft to Jimmy Ward. I was like, okay, let's go. But that's wild. That's wild. Shout out to Jimmy Ward, man, putting together a absolutely legit NFL career. He said Trey Lance was uh was a true leader. Said he was one of the first to show up last to leave, you know, and and that's it's the best thing you can say about somebody, you know, and and hopefully that manifests itself on the field. Uh and last the last press conference I feel like we need to talk about probably the last thing we're going to hit today is um Trey Lance met with the media and just exuded confidence. He seems so much more comfortable than any time we've ever heard him before. I don't even remember the last time. Well, I mean, it probably would have been after his games, but um, he just seemed so confident, so comfortable up on the podium. And he kind of talked a little bit about the finger injury that he went through last year. It wasn't until the end of the year that he even started to be able to straighten his finger out all the way. He said he had to learn to throw differently based on the fact that he couldn't push off with the same finger that he was used to. So that finger injury seems quite a bit more significant than maybe any of us knew. And 
the fact that he was able to work through that um, and get healthy in the offseason. But if you go back and watch that Texans game, I thought he was pretty impressive in that game. And some of the things and the throws he made uh, may have been difficult for him pushing through that finger energy. He said it was manageable by the time he had the Texans start, but it still wouldn't straighten. It was hard to squeeze the ball, and he had to really make some adjustments to his throw in order to even be able to work with that injury. So, you know, you can only imagine, I mean, the first thing that touches the football is your finger. And it's pretty hard to work without that. And probably the best part about Trey Lance's uh, press conference was when he was asked, like, basically, what do you feel about criticism on social media? And, I mean, it, it obviously just happened to relate to what we just talked about. You know, how do you feel about social media criticism and does it get to you? And I thought Trey Lance's answer was great. And essentially it came down to he respectfully doesn't give a shit. You know, it's not his, he said it's not his job to worry about the negative things that get said about him online. Um, The people that are going to say those negative things don't write his checks. They don't make his decisions. They're not his coaches. They're not his teammates. And it's not his job to care about social media. To him, it's just all about the locker room and his teammates. Uh, you know, and like I said, he, he, the media, the fans, or anybody else out there aren't making the decisions for him and his team, and they have no influence on how games are, are won or lost, and he just seemed like he had a grasp on it. I mean, it was so – because he's such a nice guy. He was like, well, respectfully, and I mean this with the utmost respect, I really just – and he kind of just – wanted to say it but just wanted to make sure he was being respectful and he's just basically like i mean i don't care about any of that it's not my job to care about it it's not going to help me do my job better um to have a grasp on what people think about me on social media so it was um it was a great little little line from trey lance and he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and that's a good place to start because like we said and like we talked about and like we've seen recently you know, allowing social media and the things said about you um, to envelop you and overcome you, probably we can assume will never do good things. There are people out there, uh, you know, like Michael Jordan, and, and I took that personally, that are motivated by negative things that are said. But I, I just can't imagine paying you guys, if you're on Twitter, you, you, all you have to do is click on, read some of these replies and comments, and it's just, there's just so much idiocy out there. It's it's unbelievable. And um it's it, it seems like that's not something that's going to going to plague him, but you never know. You never know. Being the 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 face of a franchise and the starting quarterback is hard enough as it is. You would hope that he doesn't allow social media to make that even even more difficult. So Good for Trey. You know what I mean? Good for Trey. Good for Trey. Uh, obviously, I, I guess the last thing that uh, that we have to leave off with is um, I, I just at the same – how do I approach this? It feels a little weird just talking about football right now given the things that have happened. You know, you have the shooting, I don't know, what seems like no more than two weeks ago uh, in Buffalo – that killed over 10 people. I believe it was 12. Uh, 10 of them were African-American. That was a racially motivated incident. And then just a couple days ago, you had the uh, the elementary school shooting in Texas that left, uh, I believe, 19 children dead and then two teachers. Um, and if you don't know, I am a teacher. I teach middle school, um, which in California is 13, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And um, it's it's tough for me to go about my day and not think about that reality or what those kids and those teachers had to go through in their final moments. Um, and you know, to be blunt, perfectly honest, it's a little harder for me because I'm also somebody who owns firearms. I was in the military. I'm very comfortable with firearms. Um, I believe I'm not even going to get into that. it's a tough, I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a tough position, obviously not anywhere near as tough as what those people have to go through and what those families are going through and what those students are going through that lost their friends. Nothing I'm going through could even remotely compare 
to the horrors that those people are facing. And um, my heart and soul goes out to them. I, I just, I walk around my classroom wondering how I would handle that at every given minute. Have I taken the necessary steps to prepare myself for what, what I may be called upon to do in that moment? Um, what my students may be called upon to do, uh, what they're going to, you know, it's it just, it's so insane that this is become so commonplace that it's just something that I have to realistically consider on a daily basis. You know, I have to keep my doors locked. Um, luckily I have two of them. I have a front and back entrance. So that makes me feel maybe falsely more secure, but you know, I constantly keep my door locked. I tell my students, do not open that door unless you look through the window and know who's on the other side. And it's just the it's just the saddest thing to have to even say. I've had to have conversations with them on what I feel like they should do if if this were to ever occur, if if there's a shooter nearby or shooter at the door or you know, someone with a you know it's unbelievable that we've entered into a reality where these conversations have to happen. And again, like I said, as somebody who owns firearms, as somebody who owns an AR-15 that is sadly used to commit a lot of these shootings, uh, I have no answers. I know that something needs to change and I know that this can't keep happening. And I wish that I could maneuver my own morality and and my own convictions through what it's going to take to solve this. And uh, I'm not taking a side. I'm not, I despise politics and what, you know, that's not about this for me. It's just, it hits home. I am a teacher and I'm struggling with the reality that I may have to defend my students from a murderer one day. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's terrifying. And, you know, you're talking to a guy that signed up to be in the military, joined during a time of war, expected to deploy. I have no problem I, I believe I have no problem putting myself between others in danger. Um, I volunteered to do it, but at the same time, never know how you're going to react in that situation. And you, I, I'm just hoping that I never have to find out. And it's tough because both my ter- parents are teachers and they're about to retire. Thank God. My little sister is, is expected to become a teacher. And, um, you know, I plan on having kids and it's just, you've heard all this, you know what the concerns are, but it's, um, I felt like I couldn't get through an entire podcast of just talking about football without just at least mentioning the real life events that are happening around us. I don't want to just go about my time on this podcast just pretending that life doesn't exist out there. Uh, I understand that there's a large group of people out there that would say, hey, just stick to sports, man. But it's just sports are reality. Reality transcends sports. Reality affects sports. Sports affect reality. I'm not going to act like they're two completely separate things. And like we started off with this podcast, we can see that sports has a very human element that will impact us on a daily basis. And obviously, uh, you know, it, it sucks having to watch what human beings have gone through over the last couple of weeks. And uh, it hurts my soul, man. It hurts me down to my core. And, and and I just, it's changing the way I go about my day-to-day basis. Everywhere I walk into in a public setting, I'm looking for the exits. I'm I'm planning uh, an escape route if I had to. And have I sat down in a place where I've left myself no exit? And, you know, it, it's as sad as it is to say, and as dramatic as it may seem to you guys, that's how I go about my day now. And, and that's not okay. And something's, we got to figure it out. Um, it's not my job to figure it out. The onus is on those politicians to, um, God, I just scoff at it. Get rid of their, shed their labels for a second and just figure it out like adults, damn it. But anyways, going, going a little too far off the bridge. Um, so, uh, my heart and soul is with those that, uh, that have been affected by this and I'm hoping uh, it doesn't continue and I'm hoping at, at some point we can find a solution because this should not be, uh, what our youngest and brightest and our future should have to go through in order to exist in this world and in this country. Um, that's always touted itself as, as, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave. So let's, uh, let's be brave and figure it out. But, um, Hey, 
that's all I got for you guys. Um, hopefully that didn't, you know, I'm sorry, not hopefully I'm sorry to end the podcast on, on what is obviously a negative note, but that is reality. And sometimes it's not all sunshine and rainbows. So hopefully it didn't uh, rub you the wrong way. And if it did, I'm not sure I give a shit. Obviously I care about everybody listening out there. You are the reason this pod exists, but sometimes, uh, life is more important. And I think many of you are going to understand that. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for for being a part of it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for spreading the word. Um, and just thank you for allowing it to be here. As I'm going to say that every episode. You all know this uh, because I just don't want everyone to forget it. Uh, make sure that you are downloading, rating, subscribing, sharing it with friends, passing it on, If obviously, if you're enjoying it. Um, but unfortunately, every good episode must come to an end. For another week, for another episode. Maybe the 49ers will get me back on here by the end of the week. But for another episode, I'm Rob, and this is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my patriot supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company americans trust to prepare go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com